Welcome to Momentum Church. Man, I love this church family. I do. Man, today we start a new series called Ebb and Flow. Everybody say Ebb and Flow. Yeah, and, and it really comes out of Amy and I's personal dispositions, all right? And so um, early in marriage, we realized early on that in our lives, she's the flow and I'm the ebb. No, I'm the flow. I'm like, let's do it. Let's go. Let's, we can do this. We can do that. You know, we can stack up the calendar. We can do it, baby. It's just good planning. Come on, we got this. And for her, she's like, but is it wise? I hate that. <laughs> no, but for her early on in our marriage, I, I didn't realize the strength that she brought to our union in the idea that she would ebb in our life. Like she would have no problem pulling back, pulling away, taking time for respite, taking time to really just be together as a family. That was very natural for her. For me, it was let's conquer, let's do, let's go, let's make this happen. And so with that, um, it was something that really I feel um, hurt us at first because I didn't see the gift that she was, and she didn't see the gift that I was. <laughs> Amen? How, how many right now, you are the flow in your life, like in your relationship, okay, and your spouse is the ebb? Uh, uh, who's the ebb? Any ebbs? All right, yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to see in this series that we need both flowing and ebbing. And what we realize together is that those things in union is why we've been married 20, almost six years. Amen? Yeah. We thought we would kill each other because of those same things. And I think what happens is if you don't really press into relationship, now that's not what this Sunday's about. Next Sunday we're going to talk about relationships. But if you don't really press into relationships and, and be able to see each other's strengths and those things that you might say, hey, that's a weakness. No, that's just a strength. It's just a different kind of strength. If you don't do that, you don't get this give and take back and forth, this flow that God wants for your relationship, that God wants for your life. And my wife, I just want to commend her. I needed that in my life. Amen. I needed it desperately. And so what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks leads into what we kind of learned. And, and to be honest, I, um, I had a sabbatical this fall. And during the sabbatical is when I really started to understand how awesome this is. And that she really has kept me from, from hurting myself. I mean, when I say hurting myself, just, you know, just hurting relationships, hurting my, 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 my ministry. I mean, like she, that ebb I needed so much. And so this fall, as we had our sabbatical, we got to talk a lot about ebb and flow together. And we decided we wanted to do this series for four weeks on ebb and flow. And so what I want to look at the subject today, I want to look at the subject of work today, okay? How many enjoy work? All right. Yeah, God gives us work. I, I get it. Maybe it's not always enjoyable. But every one of us in here, we have to work. And I don't know about you, I love it when I work and I get into a flow. How many like the flow when you're working? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know it. Like things are clicking, clipping along. It's going good. You're making it happen, you know. And, and I like that. I, I don't know about you. I love the flow. Things are popping. You're getting it done. You're knocking it out. You're producing like a wild man. This is the stuff she says to me. Producing, you know, you're creating like crazy. You're killing it. Everybody shout, killing it. 
Oh, you've had days like that where you're in the flow, right? It just feels like, ooh, man, I could do this for weeks straight on end. It feels good when you're doing those things. And, 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 and really when you're doing it, it's like your output is on point and it feels awesome. Now, I'm going to say something. As a believer, I think your output being on point can have a lot to do with the anointing of God. Do you know that? I'm serious. I think Christians, they ought to be some of the best salespeople that ever get onto the planet. Back, back when I used to clean carpets, um, literally, whatever environment I was in, I was always the, the, the top producer when it came to producing, right? And, and I'm not saying that to brag on me. I just love customer service. I love caring for people. And that, that, that goes a long ways. But I was a tither. I was a giver. And, 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 and I used to tell guys, they'd be like, how do you sell so much? And I would say, man, it's just the anointing of God on my life. God's just blessing me because every time that I get, I give God 10% or more. And so when I ask a lady, hey, would you like me to clean that couch for you? Shout, add on somebody. On. That's how they do it, you know. Would you like me to clean that couch for you, ma'am? And God grabs her head and goes, yes, I would. <laughs> I used to tell the guys this. Because I'm in partnership. It's not fair how sales can be. It's not fair. Because I'm in partnership. God knows that it's coming back around. I'm going to bless his kingdom with it. It's not, I want some not fair anointing. Amen. <laughs> and, and I think work can be like that. There can be a flow. There can be some anointing like that. And, and, and I, I, it's, I remember a story from a pastor years ago. There was a move of God at the church on a Sunday night. And his administrative assistant got touched by the power of God. And she was laid out under the spirit of God on the floor. And, and, and God just waves of his glory all evening, like an hour or so, just laid out before the presence of God, ways of his glory. It was so beautiful. And come Sunday morning, some Monday morning, she's sitting at her desk, and she's still under the glory, amen? How many's ever been under the glory? You can't get out, amen? And there ain't nothing wrong with that. But she's still like, whoo, hmm, whoo, you know? So he comes in the office, and he sees her woo and under the things of God. And he's like, what's going on? She's like, oh, it's Jesus, whoo. I just, I'm feeling the anointing. It's the anointing. And it's about 10 o'clock in the morning. And work started about 9. And she's just, you know, ooh. And he said, listen, honey. She said, God didn't anoint you to ooh. God anointed you to type like you've never typed before. He anointed you to take dictation like you've never taken. Work, honey, work. Get it going. Do it. You know. And the whole principle of that was just the idea that God does anoint us. And he anoints us for work. He anoints us for the flow. There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And I love that anointing that comes to do the flow. The problem is if you pour out without ever taking time to pour in, eventually you will wind up empty. You mean even when you're moving in the anointing? Yes. Jesus was anointed, but he would pull away and he would take time in prayer. He'd pull away. He would take time, run over to Bethany, just a few miles outside of Jerusalem, Spend time with Mary, Martha, Lazarus. I mean, he would go down there and hang out with some friends. He'd pull away and go to temple on Sabbath. He'd pull away, go to synagogue if he was in Capernaum or where there wasn't the temple there in Jerusalem. He, he modeled that idea of pulling away. And that's the problem because for many, the way we go at work, trust me, it just isn't working. You know what I'm saying? It's just not working. Too often, people aren't very excited to get to the office on Monday morning. I get that. Once there, people often don't feel appreciated. Work can be draining. How many, be real honest, there's no cameras on you. Work is draining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just part of the nature of sin that brought that edge, that thorn, if you will, to the work that we do. 
It can be draining. You, you work and you work, but because of all the distractions, you find it difficult to get the most important stuff done during your work day. You're like, I'm here 9 to 5, and I still don't have my work done. Or maybe you're like, I wish it was 9 to 5, Pastor. My flow is like 7 to 7, 7 to 8, 7 to 6, whatever. I get it. But you know what? When it comes down to it, it's difficult to get your work done. But no big deal, Jack. It ain't no big deal. You know why? So much of work is portable now. You can take your work home with you. And Amy, my wife, she's sitting on the front row. And she's like, she got her hanky out. She's like, preach to yourself, preacher. Preach to yourself. Shut up. No. It's true. Man, those cell phones that we have work. Dude, there's more information and power in that thing than the Apollo 11 or whatever. I mean, like that thing is powerful. And so we can take that home and we can keep doing work. And I'm horrible at this. I'm very not good at this at all. And so no big deal. No, no. Listen, all work and no play. There's an old saying. All work and no play makes Jack... See, I knew you would know that. I asked a couple of young staffers. They're not, nobody's going to know that. It's because you're young. <laughs> but we know that. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. But listen, God has a remedy for the intense drive that we have to produce. He, he has a fix for our fixation to perform. God has this thing in our life, and getting in the flow isn't wrong, I mean, I said at times you even feel the anointing of God in that flow. It's not wrong. But God not only calls us and anoints us to flow, he also calls us and anoints us to ebb. Let's stand to our feet. I want to look at God's word today. And we're going to look at the subject of Sabbath today. Sabbath, all right? <clears throat> Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Lord, help me in the next few minutes just to bring to bear the purpose of Sabbath upon our hearts and how, Lord, it will help us to get in the flow that you desire for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and have your seat. So here's what we see in this scripture. I'll just say off that idiom that we said, all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy. No, 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 no. According to the scripture, no, all work and no play makes Jack a sinner. Isn't it neat, though, to think about it, that God loves you so much that he created play? I'm just using the word play. Think about little kids and how refreshing it is when you're a little kid. Get your G.I. Joes out, you know, and your firecrackers, you know? <laughs> I was an aggressive little kid. All about the flow, okay? <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, it's all about and enjoy that. It's so wonderful that, yes, he wants us to work, but, man, he wants us to pull back and ebb. And enjoy that play, if you will. Enjoy that refreshing. That's just who he is. And literally, we'll call it a sin if we don't. Let me define ebb and flow kind of for the series. A recurrent or rhythmical pattern of coming and going. That's the definition of ebb and flow. This pattern of coming and going. I'm going to add a few things. 
pulling back and pushing forward, decreasing and increasing, giving and receiving. All those things kind of come into this idea of ebb and flow. And we can flow, guys. We can work, work, work. But if we're going to experience the most God has for us in life, we also have to learn to ebb, ebb, ebb. We need both of those things in our life. We can't just keep pushing and not coming back. The tides give us the great example of that. Think about the tide. If it was always coming in and never pulling back, it would not create any force. If the tide was always coming in and not pulling back, it wouldn't create any volume. Okay? And we can work and wonder why we have no force. We can go forward and wonder why we have no substance. We have no volume. And it's thin. I'm going to be honest with you. My year last year, I felt like I led very thin. Amen? I needed to be able to pull back. Well, I'm so happy for you, Pastor. You got to take a 12-week sabbatical. That's not the norm for most. It's not. I get that. But you know what? After 27 years of preaching, I'm not going to feel guilty one bit. I love you. Amen? <laughs> and I'm here, and I'm serving you with everything I got. Amen? But there was that season where, where I was losing volume, if you will. I, I needed that force. I needed that volume. And, man, I feel like I'm leading at a level in the church I haven't led in years. Amen? Preaching like I haven't preached in years. You may not be, you may not be enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, so there's this movement forward, this flow, but there's this drawing back that gives force to the flow. There's this drawing back that gives volume to the flow. Check this out. There's a drawing back that gives sustainability to the flow. Amen? So those waves, I love it when you get to see it. They just keep coming. They keep coming. And isn't it fun when they keep coming? There's a sustainability about it. You can get out there and enjoy that water. Because God wants that for you. But if it's constant force, 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 flow, 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 you'll never have what you need. You've got to be able to ebb. The tides give us an example of that rhythm. And the ebb and flow that causes us to see the best God has for us is in that, that, that rhythm. And what happens is when we get into that ebb and flow, we see God's best manifest in our lives. That's what I want. I want to see his best become visible in our lives. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at four areas of life that I believe there's some ebb and flow that needs to take place if we're going to see God's best show up in our lives. How many want God's best in their life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, that best comes when you walk in the anointing to move forward with the flow, but it also comes when you walk in the anointing to ebb back with the rest. Equally anointed. Amen? And so we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks. Let me define Sabbath for today as we talk. Sabbath speaks to a 24-hour period that belongs to God. A 24-hour period. And probably the reason why I was so messed up on this was because I just never did that for years. I never did that. And last year, Brantley got on to me, my executive pastor. you got to love a guy that, that, that is so um, servant-minded and subservient and just serves my, my purposes. I love that. But he speaks boldly into my heart, too. And I appreciate it. That's a good teammate. Amen. And so he said, Pastor, he said, I want to ask you something. He goes, when do you take your day off? And I'm like, oh, I take my day off. I Sabbath Thursday at 1230 to Friday at 1230. He said, okay, so you work Thursday and you work Friday. When do you take your day off? 
I'm like, well, I just said my Sabbath is from 1230 on Thursday to Friday at 1230. So what that allowed me to do was to be able to come to work. Well, I actually went to my small group, 6 or 630 in the morning when we start that. And then I could come in and work. And normally that 1230 would creep to 1, 130, you know. And then I would go home and I would start my Sabbath, my break. And I would go into the next morning, which would be around 12, 12.30, 1 o'clock. I would get in here. And then I would work to around 7 or 8 at night on Friday. And then I work on Saturday and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know. So that was my, my break. And he goes, you're working seven days a week. When is your break? I'm like, that's my break. That makes sense, right? It makes sense if you're in the flow. You all just ain't in the flow. This is the arguments we had for years, you know. Baby, I, I got a break. I'm doing, this is work, you know. So why did I do that? Because I hated to be able to tell, I hated ever to have to tell somebody I can't tomorrow. I hated that feeling. I can't tomorrow. Ooh, even coming out of my mouth, I hate that. I'm your pastor. I'm a shepherd. I, I, I shouldn't be able to say I can't tomorrow, right? So what I could do is on, on Wednesday, if there was a need and I couldn't get to it, I could, I'll get to that tomorrow. And so it allowed me to flow on the next day from the need of today. And I could just say, hey, I'll get that tomorrow. And if on Thursday I'm running out of time, no problem. I can get that every day tomorrow. You see what I'm trying to get at here? So I was always taking thought of tomorrow, but Jesus said, don't take thought of tomorrow. Today's got enough stuff for you to think about right now. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't plan. I'm just saying that, that for me, and you know what that was? Can I tell you what it was? Pride. Our pastor never says no. Our pastor will do anything, anytime. Our pastor... And I know that's not what we look at. We don't try to stack ourselves up against every other pastor in town, okay? We don't do that. Yes, we do. <laughs> don't let anybody lie to you. No, we don't. It's all about Jesus. No, it's not. <laughs> it is, but there is something about the ego that gets stroked when you have a room, a bunch of people. For us, it's about 600 that, 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 that come here at least one time in a given month, okay? At least one time. And to have those people know that, man, pastor will do anything, anytime, anywhere for anybody. But that's not scriptural. It, it makes Jack a sinner. It makes Ross a sinner, you know. And so last year, I began to learn what having a break on Friday is my Sabbath. And I don't do anything on Sabbath on Friday. Yesterday, I worked about 10 hours. But on Friday, I don't do anything. That's my Sabbath. Amen. I had to learn that. Amy wishes I would have learned that years ago. Probably my older children wish Daddy would have learned that years ago. Um, and then there's tension and there's strife that come from that. Should I tell the story about breaking the, the smartphone, my first smartphone? I shouldn't tell that story. No, we won't. We won't let them know how bad their pastor really used to be. Used to be, operative word. No. So... Early in ministry, we're here, and there's tension. I got my first smartphone. It was, um, I can't, it was a BlackBerry. It was nice. Touchscreen. It was cool. And, um, and we're at Stone Mountain because we're having a Sabbath. We're having a day off. We're going to go to Stone Mountain. But you know what? The phone is ringing, and there's people that have questions, and there's things that, that my pride and my ego say I need to deal with because these things are more important than my family. I can say that now because I'm about 10 years removed from this. No, probably about 12 years removed from this experience. So she's like, is it going to be like this all day long? Is it going to be like this all day long? And, um, and I took the phone, and I said, no, it's not. 
smash. It blew a $700 phone up. I don't know if it was 700 It was about like that. But it exploded. So for the next three years, I had to use this junk flip phone. And every time I opened that little clamshell piece of junk, couldn't do anything with it. Had to do the alphanumeric texting. One, How many ever received a text from your pastor? They're long. For three years, it was a reminder of my infraction. For three years. Because I had just, yes, Stuart, just like that. No wonder you don't text me back. For three years. You know, because I just had that phone a short, short while. And, um, but I was growing, amen? I love you. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with me. Oh, my word. Now, I'm not going to say she hasn't thrown that up a few times through the years. <laughs> she has. You know why? Because we're married. <laughs> just, that happens. We'll talk, we're going to talk about relationships next week, and she can have her, her voice. She can, she can tell you all the stuff. But um, where am I at? This, see, the second service, <laughs> second service, you get stuff that's not in the notes. But Oh, I know. So I started to have Sabbath, you know, and it's been able to change me. So it's a 24-hour period that belongs to God, a 24-hour period where our focus isn't on producing for our own benefit. It's a 24-hour period of rest and connection with the Lord and the family, both, I believe, physical family and spiritual family, okay? That's why you guys are here today. That's why we got to take family communion today. It was so beautiful. It's a family taking communion. So now, if we're going to understand Sabbath, we really need to understand work first and where we kind of fall into the pitfall with work. If we're going to reclaim the meaning of this 24-hour period of rest, then we need to start with reclaiming the purpose of work. So let me talk about that. Genesis 2, 2 through 3 talks about God at work. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So we see for six days, God is at work, and on the seventh day, he rests. Can I say this? God rested not because he was tired. He's omnipotent. He doesn't get tired. He rested not because he was tired. He rested because he had completed his work. All right? But pastor, my work is never completed. I get that. I understand that. The files are always open. I would love to be a contractor, Gary, and be able to build a house and sell that house and give my tithes to the church. Just throwing that in there. And, and be able to do all that. And then when it's done, that file's closed, you know? And I go on and I do another. I would love that. As a pastor, my file's never closed. You know why? Because you are the homes that I get to help build. And you guys are broken. No. Yeah, we... How many know that? I'm telling you, as, as people, we're always in a remodeling process. Amen. The file's never closed. So it's one of those things to where, for me, years and years feel like it's seven days a week because there's always a need. There's always something that can be done. There's always something that can be helped. It's true, but I need to allow the files to be completed one day and say, God, I rest from that, not because I'm tired, but because it's proper. That work, it's not going to be done by the extension of my hand anyhow. Amen. 
It's you and I rest. That, 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 that sales proposal that has to be done on Tuesday, but you're nervous because you don't think you'll get it done on Monday, so you better do it on Sunday. You know what? Close that. And guess what? God will anoint your Monday like you never thought possible. Amen? You, you, I'm, you know what the anointing does? The anointing collapses time. Do you know that? So you have a broken arm, and God heals that broken arm. There's nothing different. It could have healed in nine weeks using a cast, but in a moment it was healed. You know what the difference is? Time was collapsed. Does that make sense? The anointing came, done. All right? That, that's how the anointing works. Don't you know, if you give God this portion, this rest that he's commanded us to, he will anoint the other six days, and you'll get everything that you need to get accomplished. And if not, it's in his hands anyways. Give God praise. Amen? I hope that gives you some peace. So God instituted Sabbath because he wanted to teach us that work is not an end in itself. It's not, it's not that we live to work. No. When work is looked at like an end to itself, it starts to create some issues. And what happens is our lives start to be defined by what we do, not by who we are. Okay? So if work is the end, and that's all I'm living for, then that defines me. It gives me all my meaning. It gives me my purpose. And you know who's really bad at this besides just preachers? Men in general. We're just bad at that. We, we find our identity in what we do. Women find their identity. This isn't sexist. Women find their identity in home and family. I don't care. You could be a doctor or a lawyer making, making seven figures as a female. You're going to be excited about your kids and the school they go to and the nanny that you provided and the clothes that they have. And that's just how women are. Men, we get really excited about our work. It's just how we're hardwired, you know? And so we developed that steam. steam. Uh, just last week, I was flying to Phoenix, and on the way there, I'm at the airport waiting for my plane, and I sit down by a guy, and this fella, man, you could tell he loved cords. He had a thing, a cord caddy. I've never seen somebody travel with a cord caddy. And he pulled the cord caddy out. He had so many devices, I stood looking at him in awe from a distance. <laughs> and I'm like, I, gotta, I, gotta, I have to meet this guy. This is the kind of stuff that enthralls me. So I go over and I sit by him. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Where are you flying to? He told me. I told him where I was going to. And so we sit down there, and, and um, next thing you know, within seconds, he's telling me what he does, you know? And, um, and he's a, purchasing, um, 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 a purchaser for a large um, grocery chain. And, 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 but quickly, that's how guys are. They quickly go into telling what they do, you know? And I needed a cord, so I borrowed a cord. That was really nice of him. And he actually asked if I could have it. You know, or want, do you want it? No, no, I'm good. He had like seven of them. It was just, I've never seen somebody travel with so many cords. <laughs> a lot of pride in the cords. Whatever. So <laughs> he asked me what I do. 12, 15 years ago, I would have been quick. I'm a pastor. You know? And I would have said that out of pride. You know, I'm a pastor. You know, um, probably seven, eight years ago, I'd have said, yeah, and the church is this size, and we're doing this, and we're doing that. And then it would have been like, 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 like that kind of identity with this. You know what I mean? But can I tell you something? In the last five to eight years, me saying I'm a pastor doesn't give me much merit with people. It actually shuts things down. Isn't that crazy? My, my job, it's like, it's, I might as well go back to being a salesperson. No, I kid. Just being a pastor, for a lot of people, it's like, close the door. So what do you do, he asked. I'm a teacher. Am I teaching you? Yeah. I'm a teacher. 
Now, in time, I'm not a liar, so by the time the end of the conversation, he found out I was a pastor. I let him know. But, but that's just how men are. Quickly, we're going to go right into what we do, how we work, blah, 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 you know. And, um, and, and to be honest, during the sabbatical for me, that 12-week sabbatical, I started to be able to embrace who I am in him, not what I do or who I am for him. There's a difference. All right, And as your pastor and even as a parishioner going through life, we need to be more about who we are in him. That's why we did this whole I Am series than who we are for him. And I started realizing that who I am for him is so much more important than, or I'm sorry, who I am in him is so much more important than who I am for him. Amen? So much more. But the idea for him, man, it would drive me. Go, go. The accolades, the, the, all those things, you know. There's not one, Amy's not at home going, yay, you picked up your socks. Good job. <laughs> you know? You're supposed to pick up your socks. You know? But, man, I go make, I'm actually going to make a hospital visit this afternoon, you know? And I'm not going to make the hospital visit because I need that person to be like, yay, you know? But I'm going to make that hospital visit. And you know what? It'll feel very rewarding. It's not a believer. I'm hoping to be able to have that connection with him. And, and maybe not today, but in time, be able to draw him to the things of Christ. And that feels very good. Today's my work day. Today's not my Sabbath. Amen? Okay. But all I'm saying is there's something about that, that, that you get accolades, you get thanks, you get, you know, well, no, you know what, I need to pull back and enjoy my house and my wife and my kids, even if they don't praise me like you people do. <laughs> um, forget that. <laughs> that's not true. But, but uh, that's kind of true. One of the best explanations of the importance of Sabbath to Christians today is found in an article written by Tim Keller. I really like Tim Keller. And he suggests it's not the physical work that exhausts us when we're working all the time, but it's the work under the work that leads to weariness. It's that relationship that tries you at work. It, it, in the first service, there was a man who told me before service that he has a female at work that's not a believer, and he says he swears he feels like a demonic thing is attacking him all the time, okay? And I'm like, I know, I've got staff like, no, I don't, I don't. Our staff is wonderful, wonderful. But how many, you don't have to raise your hand, but in your work environments, it's the, the things under the work that just, oh, takes it out of you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so what Tim says is the only thing that can help with this weariness is the biblical discipline of Sabbath rest. That's what helps with it. The purpose of Sabbath rest is not simply to rejuvenate yourself in order to do more production, nor is it the pursuit of pleasure. The purpose of Sabbath is to enjoy your God and to appreciate the gift of life he's given you. Amen? That's what Sunday's about. That's what your Sabbath rest is about. It's about embracing the gifts that he's given you. It's about work, yeah. And you can appreciate work more when you take that break from it. It's about appreciating your life, your family. It's about appreciating your church family, amen? Being here together, experiencing this together. It's about looking at the provisions you have and appreciating those. Sabbath rest is, is so wonderful, and that's what it's about. And I can remember as a kid on every Sunday going back to Grandma's house and she's cooking back then chicken and dumplings and all that good stuff, collard greens, you know. And I'm in there laying on the orange shag carpet, you know, football on the, the screen, you know, on the big console TV. Hank Williams playing on the big console, big console, um, um, rate, rate, um, thank you, stereo, you know. And just, just, 
Just laying, laying there, jambalaya, crawfish pie, filet gumbo. Mm. Just feeling Jesus and Hank. It was just awesome. And that was my upbringing, you know, just being around it every Sunday. And it just created a rhythm in our family that was, that was powerful, you know. And we're trying to recreate that, that, that same rhythm. The kids all come for dinner on Sunday afternoon, and we spend time with them. And, and, and last week, I was plum worn out. I'll tell you how good Sabbath was or Sunday break was for me. I, last week, I was plum worn out and from traveling to Phoenix and all that stuff. And I had Amy on one arm and my <laughs> which was so sweet. I'm in the couch. That's the last thing I remember. Just... <laughs> holding my wife on one arm and my, my 23-year-old daughter on the other arm. And then I woke up like three hours later upside down on the couch. I don't know how it happened. My feet were up. I remember, it was bad. They'd all left me because I was snoring and stuff, I'm sure. But that's, that's that break. That's that afternoon. It's so wonderful. So we have to work hard, though, at disconnecting from what we do the other six days to be able to enjoy the peace and the release that God has designed for us on that holy day. It takes intentionality to keep Sabbath. You can't keep Sabbath without being focused. And we need Sabbath. We need to get distance from both our work. You know, we need that from our work. And it's healthy for us. It's healthy for us personally, but it's also healthy for our job. It's healthy for our work. It's beneficial for us. And so setting aside one day in seven to observe the Sabbath will begin to change the way you see your work and what it can and what it can't produce, all right? Your work isn't your provider, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord who provides is your provider, amen? And so when we go seven days a week, seven days a week, seven days a week, always in that flow, never in the ebb, we run away from the thought that he is our provider. No, I got this. I can handle this. I can take care of this. And we wear ourselves down. And like I said, that's not honoring to the Lord, and it's actually, it's actually sin. So we need to trust God's provision for the whole of our life and enjoy the Sabbath rest that he designed to rejuvenate us and our work. Mark 2.27 says the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. Literally, the Sabbath rest is a gift God gives to you. Isn't that beautiful? He wants you to have this gift, this gift to be able to rejuvenate, to take time away from work. And so somewhere, though, between creation of man and Jesus showing up, man had got all crazy when it came to Sabbath rest. And they had filled their lives with rules and regulations, and they would nitpick on who was doing Sabbath rest best, you know? I do less than you, so I'm more holy. I love God more. And they would, you know, and think about it. Whenever a society gets to a point that it's making rules to keep rules, to make rules to keep more rules, to keep more rules, man, it's getting away from relationship, isn't it? And that's kind of what happened. And so Jesus comes along, and he's encouraging these people to embrace Sabbath. It's a blessed day. It's not a day of unnecessary burden. And these people had caused themselves to have unnecessary burden. Exodus 20, verse 11, says, first, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. It's a blessed day. Amen? It's a gift to us to be able to take that break. And he made it holy. In other words, he separated that day. A word for holy is sanctified. He sanctified. That's the word in some translations. Set apart as holy. And it's a blessed day to go to church, to go, I said, to go to grandma's, to, to go on a walk, to take a nap, whatever. Jesus, he modeled to us what Sabbath should look like. You would find Jesus on Sabbath. If he was in Jerusalem, he was going to be in the temple. If he was in Capernaum, he was going to be in the synagogue. You would find Jesus with 
fellow Jewish people looking at Torah, loving on each other, loving the word, loving God. Amen? You would see this. That's what Jesus did. You have the Sabbath. 27, it says, the Son of Man, Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so he, he, he is the one that lords over the Sabbath. He's the one that, that, that gave us the gift of the Sabbath, but he honored the Sabbath so beautifully. You would see him leave like Jerusalem and make his way down to Bethany and spend time with Lazarus and Mary and, and Martha. You know, he spent time with friends and family. He would pull away and go place quiet to pray. I mean, this is what Jesus did. But I want to give us a little quick look, too, at what the Lord did on the Sabbath, all right? Because the Lord did something else on the Sabbath that I think we can take a lesson from. We, we need to embrace. Don't we? We learn from the whole of this last series, this, the cross before me series, that he's Lord and we're not. Amen? And as Christ followers, we follow in his steps, not our own. Didn't we just learn that? So can, I think y'all can handle this truth. Y'all think you can handle this truth? This is going to be a strong truth. Is that Okay. But I think we've just prepared our hearts for eight weeks to say he's Lord and I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm going to follow him because that's what Christ's followers do. We follow. Amen. So here's some of the things that Jesus did on the Sabbath. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law on the Sabbath. Je Jesus healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. Pharisees, the, the people that were like the nitpickers, trying to, hey, dude, don't do, don't do, don't do on the Sabbath. Man, he, they came against him like left and right. I mean, he would even look at him and say, look, you, you'll pick up your ox if it falls into a ditch, you know, if it's on the Sabbath. You'll do, like, I'm just doing this work here. I'm just changing people's lives. Jesus, he healed a crippled man or a crippled woman on the Sabbath. He healed a man born blind on the Sabbath. Jesus healed a man with dropsy, which is edema to the light level. It could even go to heart, like congestive heart failure, like, like fluid in your system. He healed a man with dropsy. Jesus cast out a demon on the sabbath we need more of that amen i'm serious we just anybody that in your row you want to volunteer come on god will do it yes he will jesus heals a lame man by the pool of bethesda on the sabbath and here's what's beautiful about that when they came against him when he healed that man and told him pick up your mat and the pharisees were like i can't believe you have him picking up your mat you know what? You can't do no work on the Sabbath. And, and I can't believe you've done this healing on the Sabbath. They come against Jesus. Jesus, here's what he said. He said, because God was working on the Sabbath, I figured I would work too. Basically, God's doing something. I'm getting in the flow. So Sabbath is a time of ebbing, but it's not ebbing from all things. I believe God wants us to do things in the lives of other people on the Sabbath. Amen? Does that make sense? We see it modeled by Jesus. So the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, made it holy, or he sanctified it. He separated it as holy. I think it's holy to make a difference in someone else's life on the Sabbath. I think it's a very holy, very godly, very Jesus-y Jesus kind of thing to do. Amen? And um, last week, I'll give you an example. We raised funds for that homeless pregnant woman in Phoenix that just got into the homeless shelter, the homeless home for pregnant homeless people. And um, we raised about 1500 of the 2500 Man, I'd love to finish that out today. If the Lord lays on your heart, guess what? We can do something good on the Sabbath. Amen? So you just go to pay, push pay, go to mymomentumchurch.tv, and just go ahead and bless that little lady. It takes $2,500 to take care of her for a whole year. She's seven months pregnant, and this will be a beautiful thing to be able to support that little one. Amen? Amen? And to support that mama. And so, um, so yeah, so there's still opportunity to bless. That was something we did last week on the Sabbath. Last Sunday night, we had a dinner. 
And, and people bought their $5 spaghetti dinner, and, and it raised a bunch of money to offset, I think the 18, I think it was 18 kids, they offset like 50 bucks for their camp, you know? And we did a good thing on the Sabbath. There's a lot of good things that happen on the Sabbath. What I want us as a church to realize in this ebb and flow is that part of our Sabbath day, part of coming to worship the Lord in the house, we aren't just a church for ourselves. That was the Pharisees. That's what they did. No, we're a church that are here for others. Amen? And so listen, we can't allow work to be God. That's what the whole sermon up to this point has been. Work can't be our God. He's our God. But we can't allow rest to be our God either. It's about an ebb and a flow. It's about partnering with the Lord. And I think on Easter, I think on, on, on Sunday morning, I think it's a great experience, a great time that we can get in the flow of God and do what he desires to do in other people's lives. And, and sometimes as a pastor, you do have to bring a little pastoral correction. And, and you guys know my heart. And so I'm just going to just make it real clear, real plain. Last Sunday was our Journey Group Connect. And, man, I am so thankful for every Journey Group leader. And this is not a, a I'm not looking at you to make a fault. That's not what this conversation is about at all, okay? Um, but it blew my mind. It always does. And I get it. I get it. Things are messy. I get it. And we have Journey Group Connects. And on the Journey Group Connects, no child care provided, no child care provided, no child care provided, no child care provided, no child care provided. And I get it because it makes the house crazy. If you don't have kids, I get it. I understand. Amen? Um, sometimes people are like, well, my kids, I got to get them to bed early. Or sometimes, you know, I send them to a babysitter so we can experience this time away from the kids. I get that. I understand. I get it. I get it. I get it. But can I say something? When the littles, my bigs were littles years ago. Brian Choate and Christy, thank you for opening your home to our small group and letting the craziness of the Wiseman crew be in your house. And I say that because it was crazy. The, ours weren't the only kids. There was kids running around everywhere. And, and, and yes, we heard the word. And yes, we got the dialogue. And it was, it was nuts. Kids got hurt. No. But can I tell you right now, my 17-year-old boy, you know what? One of the greatest mentors in his life is a barbecue-making IT guy from AT&T with some big crazy beard. I love you, Brian Choate. I love you. You're one of the best mentors my boy has. I'm serious. And that man works hard, worked tons of hours, worked tons of stuff, you know, doing side stuff, just a hardworking guy and could have been like, I don't want all that craziness in my house. No. He had a greater vision to serve. Amen? And my family personally has been affected by that. We got a fix. I got a fix for you. How many, I really want us to have a Wednesday night discipleship night. How many would like that? Everybody's gun-shy. They're afraid. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm serious. I would love for us. We have small groups that meet all the time. And I would love for us to, this year at some point, have Wednesday night where maybe there's a, a men's recovery group and a women's recovery group. And, and maybe there's a Bible study on the Holy Spirit. And maybe there's a, a study on, on Financial Peace University and a new converts class. And, and just different, different groups. It's a very robust night that we come here. And if you're in a small group, you don't have to come on Wednesday night. I'm just, it's just an option kind of a thing. But guess what? 
It takes child care to do that. See, that would fix these small groups in the homes. It would, wouldn't it? Because now anybody that needs ministry to kids, we'll just go to the church and do our group on, on Wednesday nights in the church somewhere. Perfect fix, pastor. Uh-uh. It's not. Do you know why? Because we don't have enough people ministering to children on Sunday morning as it is because we don't care. We want to get what we, we're Pharisees that want to get what we want to get from the Sabbath, but we don't realize that Jesus comes and heals and does works in people's lives on the Sabbath. And guess who is Jesus in the earth today? You are his body. And he wants us to step up. Amen? I want to take a second. I want to thank Jim Story. Because Jim Story, he ministers to my maverick, bless his heart, every Sunday. See, because here at the church, we have a serve one, go to one kind of model. So the Sundays that you do serve, you can still be in church. You can serve one, go to one on those Sundays. You're not going to miss church like it used to be back in the day when you only have one service. We have two services. So you're not going to miss on the day or two days a month that you serve. You're not going to miss it. And what's cool is Jim and his wife, they man a class that's the, the thank you, all-stars class. And we tell those kids, hey, your mom and daddy are, are serving, so you're an all-star. And they get to go to their kids' church first. Then they get to go to All-Stars and have a party, have a great time with Jim and Faith. And they take care and they watch out for those little ones in that second. And, and man, I tell you, Jim has been, spoken to my little guy's life. And, and it's so important. You know why it's so important? Because little guys, Grant needed to have a vision of what a man looks like that follows after Jesus. And by having Brian in his life... It's not just daddy that he sees what a man looks like. He had a vision. The blindness that the enemy would love to put on my boy's eyes when it comes to the things of faith. I know the men of this church, like Brian, have shown him and have opened those eyes to what it really means. Amen? My, my little boy, Maverick, last week gets in the car. And I understand these days. Guys, I was a short, I'm just going to be honest, I was a short, fat, white kid. And I was a minority, okay, <laughs> in the school I grew up in. And that's no, no, no disrespect to nobody. I'm just saying that's how it, minorities understand, okay. I got picked on. Let's just say that, okay. And, um, man, it was rough. It was rough in junior high. But I would go to church. And Blanche Snyder, this old lady at church, she was my teacher. And she'd pour into me. And she made me feel like a million bucks. She made me feel like I was the righteousness of God, that I was the seed of Abraham, that I was above and not beneath, that I was the head and not the tail. And I didn't care what people said at school, at church, I was some kind of something. And I know it's hard for you to believe at school, shut up, Ross. But at church, preach, Ross, preach. <laughs> See how I can shift things? Shut up, Ross. Be quiet. What's wrong with you? Why do you talk so much? Because I got something to say. That's why. Yeah. <sighs> Y'all know why I'm your pastor, don't you? Because I was backslidden, and when I was 19, I gave my life back to the Lord, and I knew God said I was called to preach, okay? And I knew to be a Christian means you're supposed to do the will of God. I knew that, right? And so I thought, if I'm going to be a Christian and going to church with my AD and D, ADD, I'm going to preach, there's no way I could spend the next 50 years of my Christian walk listening to somebody. <laughs> I'm just, because uh, I'm sitting in the front row. That's why I sit in the front row, because I'd be like, oh, that guy's bald. Oh, that lady's has, oh, that, 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 that. 
If you ever watch my staff preach, I am writing incessantly notes. Do you know why? If I don't write incessantly notes, Amy will be elbowing me because she's like, you're being rude. You're being rude. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just so easily distracted. So I write notes. I'm focused, focused, focused. So Maverick gets in the car last week, and he was down. And Arden said, Mac, are you mad at me? And Mac says, no, no, I'm not mad at you, Arden. What's wrong, Mac? And he said, at school, the kids said I wasn't cool enough to sit at their table. My little guy, he's just all down, you know. But he came here. And Jim Story, and Jason Coltis, and Greg Kruchik, those men made him feel like a million bucks today. Amen? That withered hand that Jesus healed was the withered heart of a boy this week that got to the house of the Lord and men made him come to life. That's the opportunity we have every Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with that, I'm challenging us to get back that passion. Now, I, I, I talked to Amy about this. And she helped me understand. She's like, Ross, please let the people know, our ministry to kids is very robust, okay? There, there's not a kid that gets ministered to. It doesn't have multiple people in the room the way it's supposed to be. Everybody's background checked. Your children are being ministered to well. I'm not saying that. There's not one thing missing when it comes to ministry to your kids. All I'm saying is that there is something missing when it comes to ministry to your volunteers. Because the same people, the same people, the same people, the same people, people who care enough about your children that go, you know what, if nobody else will pray for the withered arm, if nobody else will pray for the blind eye, if nobody else will help the crippled, if nobody else will say, pick up your mat, I will. Does that make sense? So I just don't want you to go away from this thinking, oh man, the ministry, the kids ministry. No, our kids ministry is packed. It's an incredible ministry. But people get burned out because not enough of us care. And I want to challenge us in our ebb and flow, in our rest, to realize God causes us to rest for a purpose. And Sunday, a big purpose of it is to do something that makes a difference in people's lives. Amen? And so, that's all I got to say. (laughs) I want to pray with us, all right? Jesus, sometimes as pastor, um, there's words we have to share that just come on a little heavy. And Lord, I hope this is heavy, but heavy in a good way. Heavy in a way, Lord, like, like the weight of you, the Father, just placing on us a burden for people, a burden not just for the loss outside the four walls of this church, but the loss that our children will become if we don't mentor them well. We blame the world. We say, look what's happening in the world. Jesus, help us. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. We judge our own hearts right now. Lord, help us to be servants of you, especially in the area of kids' ministry. I ask that you would just, you would make it to where this is a house where we almost have to, to, to reject. We got too many people wanting to serve in the children's ministries because that's that next generation. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you. You are Lord of the Sabbath and we lean into you. We flow and we ebb with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.